But this morning we continue our study through um, Paul's letter to the Colossians. We are covering verses, um, chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. And uh, this is a continuation of what we've been studying up to this point. Uh, the Apostle Paul is, is addressing the Colossian heresy, uh, which we have known had crept into the church. And uh, in very, it is very much not only true back then, but it is true today that the very same things have infiltrated the church today. And so uh, sometimes we try and search out how it is that the Word of God is relevant to us today. And yet we, we shouldn't have to strive too much. We shouldn't have to work at it too much. We need to understand that it is just as much applicable to today's church as it was at that moment that it was written. In fact, Richard reminds us of how it was that as he shared in the devotion um, for communion, that uh, it's just something that he said. He, he said that um, the, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians uh, was, was uh, really addressing some issues that they needed to be popped on the side of the head in regards to. You know, I think the church today, every, every time we come together, in a sense, we also need to be popped on the side of the head and be reminded of some things that perhaps we've given ourselves to that are not of God and align ourselves with the Lord each time. It's kind of like a, a correction in our path. It's a correction on where we fix our eyes. And so we are this morning here gathered together at the feet of Christ really yearning and seeking and desiring to hear from him. And so let's pray, and then we'll get into his word. Heavenly Father, we want to commit this time into your hands, Lord. It's a time of study. It's a time of meditating on, regarding. Father, it's a time of bringing conviction, of forming, of transformation, Lord, according to your word and by your spirit. And so it is with that in mind that we Commit this time into your hands, Lord. We truly desire to be rooted and built up in Christ. Please help us to do that very thing, to allow our, the roots of our faith to be in sound doctrine and the truth that is found only in your word and nowhere else, that we may be a building that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and nothing else. For any, anything else will be torn down and will break down when the storms of life hit us. And so, Lord, we want to be strong. We want to be deeply rooted in Christ, that we may stand fast in times of tribulation, in times of, per, of, of uh, persecution, in times of trouble, Lord, that we may glorify you, keeping our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, the hope that lies before us in Jesus Christ. And so be with us this morning, Father. Teach us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, we begin, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, 
and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. We know that as we continue our study through this letter, that Paul's main concern was that the Christians in Colossae were established in their faith, that they stood firm in their faith, and that they would continue to grow and mature in Christ. Their faith is just as much, uh, just as, much as ours is not a, a one-and-done type of a thing. You know, that we would come to say, well, you know, I've read a little bit the first year that I became a Christian, perhaps the second year also, and I believe that I have it all understood. I have a good grasp on it. That type of attitude is lazy. It is lacking in understanding. And it is actually dangerous to the believer. It's dangerous because it opens him up to being fooled by the thinking of the world and by those who are false teachers even within the church. Well, it's shocking to hear that, right? There, that there would be false teachers within the church. Well, if we were in the Word, we'd realize that that warning came and it would be fully known by Him who would know and understand that there are even now, false teachers within the church, and we need to beware. Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, the Apostle Paul says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Jesus prayed for the disciples in John chapter 17, verses 14 and 15. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because... They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not, as that, uh, as that you take them out of the world, I do not wish that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Yesterday, Mario gave the devotion at the men's prayer breakfast. It was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 through 28. He emphasized fellowship, the reason for it, the benefits of it, the purpose for it. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And in verse 22 says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. But a Christian without a basic and solid understanding of Scripture will not be able to be of any help in any of these areas. 
Without knowledge, what, what do we have, right? What do we have to offer? What do we know? They will lack confidence that is founded on solid knowledge. For he who gives himself to Scripture. The word tells us, study to show yourself approved to God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. Without knowing and understanding Scripture, we will not know to be vigilant to the attacks we will experience to the very basics of our faith. Without knowledge, we will not believe that attacks can come from false teachers from within the church. Without knowledge, we will not understand why it is that Jesus is interceding on our behalf, that we would be kept from the schemes of the evil one. And we will much less have the knowledge, understanding, and confidence to admonish and encourage those brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need. Paul knew that if the Christians in Colossae were rooted and built up in Christ, just as we know today, if refuge would be rooted and built up in Christ in the same manner, then they, just as much as us, would hold our ranks against the attacks from the enemy and stand firm in our foundational faith in Christ. And with this... They and us would be free from being fooled by false teachings and the attempts by the world to sway them and us from thinking differently from what they've been taught and we've been taught regarding Christ Jesus. We'd stand strong. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, uh, we went over this a couple weeks ago, says... Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ... For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And so we are reminded, the struggle, uh, the focus, laser-like focus that the Apostle Paul had on doing this very thing. And that is my greatest desire. Oh, I, I just, my greatest desire and what I wish more than anything else is that each and every one of you would be given to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that you would come under His governance, that you would look to Scripture for everything that pertains to life and godliness, that you would mature and grow, that you would be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that you would be deeply rooted in the truth of God's Word. For with that, you will walk securely and confidently and filled with hope and great gratitude in the hope that lies ahead. And nothing you can come against will shake you will take you off that foundation. That's what I desire for you. And I know, according to God's word, that that's exactly what he desires for each and every one of you. So be rooted and built up in Christ. And this is how. Number one, remember what you've been taught. Very basically is what the Apostle Paul uh, was saying here. Remember what you've been taught. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up, in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Remember what you've been taught. Right from the beginning, we see Paul refuting the false teaching that would undermine the believer's understanding of who Jesus Christ is. 
So right from the beginning, he's, he's addressing these issues that have crept into the church. We know from what we went over last week that, that they were holding their ranks, that they were sound. But nonetheless, this, this heresy had, was, was, was around. It was there. And so he addressed it, and he's starting to hear. He's reminding them that they are to remember the very person of Christ Jesus, whom they have already received. You've already received him, the person of Jesus Christ. Not just an idea of him, but the person of Christ Jesus, who is, by the way, who is Lord. Paul was reminding them that they didn't just embrace a message. Oh, it was a great message. I I embraced the idea, the thought. But they've embraced Jesus himself and the Lord of all. Which the false teachers of the time were teaching differently, that Jesus was not the Lord of all. And so he very quickly goes to that and he's addressing that issue. He is, remember, you have already received Christ Jesus, Lord of all. Much like the world would have you believe today that Jesus Christ is not Lord of all, which he is. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14 says, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, says, therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. There's no question about it, that there is no other name. He is Lord of all. And one day, every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow to that Lord, to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. A basic understanding of who Jesus is, is that he is Lord of all. That's a basic understanding of the Christian faith. And he's saying, remember that. Don't don't ever lose that. Don't ever question that. Have no doubt about it. He is the creator of the universe. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He's with you now and sustains Everything that we know. There is no other name above him. And so he's saying, so remember that you have already received and embraced Jesus Christ, Lord of all. And then we have two metaphors to help us understand the nature of. Of, of our experience and the nature of the Christians in Colossae, of their experience. From that which has been planted in you, the word of God, sound doctrine that is, be rooted and grow. From that foundation that has been laid and established in you, be built up in Christ. Where these roots of faith sink into is of utmost importance. They must sink deep into the truth of God's word. That's it. 
If the soil into which your roots of faith sink into is the soil of the world, they won't have any substance to survive. If the soil into which your roots of faith sink into is the soil of false doctrine, false teaching, you will be sick and eventually die. Your faith will die. Sometimes it's interesting how as Christians we we get... Like I said, the, the, the basics, right? The first year or two, okay, we're excited about, about our faith, about our salvation. We're going to church, we're reading, we're studying. We get involved in the men's uh, Bible fellowship. We get uh, involved in the women's Bible fellowship and the studies, the youth groups and all of that. And then, and then, and then, and then it, we start taking counsel from the world and, you know, and we start listening to the world and what the world defines as love and, and really what living is all about and, and, and we, we start, because we're listening to those voices more than the voice of God in Scripture, we begin to get confused. Now, God is not the God of confusion. He's a God of order. He brings us truth. The world brings confusion. So it depends. And it is critical. The foundation that we have and the soil into which our roots are cast into, drive down deep into. Jesus Christ is our foundation, and and upon him we are to build our faith. No other foundation will stand. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. This way, on the rock, we are established in our faith. And by the way, this word established, it means to increase in inner strength, to be established, to increase in inner strength. It implies a greater firmness of character or attitude that is the direction of our perspective. The, the way in which we're appointed, that, that is our attitude. Are we, are we pitched up or down? To be established means to increase in inner strength, the firmness of our character and our attitude toward Jesus Christ. The direction of our perspective in Christ, our right perspective is increased, firmed up and strengthened and our character reflects it. As we are immovable in Christ, our foundation upon which we stand and the soil into which our roots sink deep into. The the fruit, we will be known by what we produce in our lives, by the fruit that we produce. Exactly where we are rooted, upon which foundation we are built. If this is true of you, then you will be overflowing with thanksgiving. So this is, this is a product of a life that is deeply rooted in Christ, that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In our lives, what, what will happen is that we will be overflowing with thankfulness, with gratitude. We will be grateful. This is often a litmus test of the health of our faith. Are you thankful? Are you filled with gratitude? And this implies that the first indication of our departure from our faith is a lack of thanksgiving. 
just the ultimate point being despondency, a complete absence of, of hope in our lives. That's a departure of abiding in Christ, of growing in Him. Are you thankful? And the question is, how is it reflected? So the first thing is, remember what you've been taught. Secondly, don't let yourself be cheated. Verse 8, as we continue, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to, the human, to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made, with, uh, made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So don't let yourself be cheated is what the Apostle Paul was saying. Paul begins to provide theological answers to that which formed the foundation of the Christian faith. Here Paul begins to address the heresies. The two concerns are the spiritual powers in the law. Paul addresses the false teachings as that which comes from human tradition, not God. From the philosophy of men, which mixed Gnosticism, Greek philosophy, Jewish mysticism, and then throw in there some local religious practices that they've come to know. They were referred to as the basic elemental spirits or principles of the world. Careful, because these are not of Christ. I, I, I think it's quite common to see this today. You know, to take what we've come to know as sound doctrine in the Word of God, and then especially if, we're, if we don't continue in the Word of God, to be washed with the word, to grow with the Lord in maturity. What we have in the world is a twisting, just, just a little bit, a, a twisting of, of the word and how it is that we are to practice Christianity. Is this so bad? Is that so bad? Really, is this love or is this not love? Then you begin to question many things around you. You begin to believe the world. You begin to believe that perhaps a, a, a mix of that with our Christianity is, is okay. We're keeping up with the times, right? It's okay. A little Eastern mysticism along with, with uh, biblical Christianity is okay, isn't it? You know, uh, chanting and, and then the, the traditions of man. You know, yoga is harmless. Yes, I went that far. Yoga. Oh, I remember seeing it. I'll, I'll just let you know about this. All right. There was an interview that, uh, well, actually a, a research that uh, this uh, one sister in, in the Lord did, and she went out to India. Have you ever been out to India? No? Have you ever studied yoga? From the source, they said that in her research, it is impossible to separate the true meaning of yoga 
from the exercise of yoga. I will share that article with you, that whole interview. Now, if, if you just, just see me afterwards, and I'll be glad to share it with you. You can't. Oh, it's just stretch and exercise. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's much more than that. It's much more than that. And so we start to believe these things, like as if it, it, it's okay. You know, if you want to exercise, just exercise. You want the secret of <clears throat> having um, just a, a thin body and, and health and energy and all that? I have it, and it doesn't cost you a thing. You ready? You got your pens, paper out? Eat well and exercise regularly. Okay. Yeah, it takes work. <laughs> Imagine that. All right. And that wasn't a rabbit tra- trail because that's, those are the very things that, we're, that we face every day, that we're up against every day, aren't we? We've got to stand fast, folks. We, got, we have to stand in the Lord in the truth of God's word. We, we have to. Don't be duped. Don't be fooled into thinking that some compromises are okay. To give themselves to this was to be cheated of their true faith in Christ. It was, as the Apostle Paul said, it's, it's empty deceit. It proved to be nothing, a road that led nowhere but down a path of destruction, the destruction of their faith. Down, down that path, Right? You keep going down that path. It's a dead end. It'll end up destroying your faith. Verses 8 through 15 addresses the theology of of soteriology. You know what soteriology is? It's the doctrine of salvation. And then we'll next week cover... What the Apostle Paul addresses in verses 16 through 19, which is the theology of sanctification, the, the process of being made holy. Oh, how important these things are to know them and to stand in them. Those are the things that we have before us. It's important. God was, is saying through his word, church, this is important. We need to address these issues in our church today and make sure that we're well aware that we move forward and advance with full knowledge, uh, with, with wisdom, correctly applying that which, that which we know. That we may be strengthened and built up on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. The sound truth that we've come to know in the Bible. The Colossian heresy promoted itself as the traditional But what Paul was pointing out and teaching them is that tradition is not to be substituted for the word of God. Oh, we've heard that, right? Also, as far as the tradition of men, oh, it is elevated and it ought not to be. If any time the tradition of man comes in conflict with the word of God, guess which one should win? The word of God every time. The tradition of men should be... Cast off to the side. Well, we're not doing that anymore. It doesn't have equal authority. And definitely, the traditions of man do not have authority over the Word of God. False teaching says that there is a distinct separation between the spiritual and the material. This is something else that the Apostle Paul was addressing. That Jesus only seemed to have a material body. 
and that Jesus the man was different and distinct from the Spirit of Christ. And no, that's not true either. Paul refuted this false teaching by writing, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in verse 9. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he is resurrected in body and spirit. Remember how he called on the disciples to touch and feel him? Thomas, Thomas, (laughs) you doubted. Thomas, oh, see my hands. Oh, put your hand in my side. Isn't that what you were saying? Um, A spirit cannot eat. He ate. He partook. A resurrected Lord. Fully man and fully God. Resurrected. Oh, the power of the cross. Oh, the enemies of God thought that they had him defeated. Uh, But three days later, he would prove otherwise. The Apostle John addressed this as well. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. As he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our joy may be complete that you may come to believe these things. We saw and beheld, we heard Him, and we touched Him. He was with us. John addressed this very thing that again had crept into the church. And so the Apostle Paul is also. And since this is true, know that you have been filled in him. Meaning that we are complete in him. In Jesus, there is nothing more we need to be complete. No experience will give us a more complete satisfaction or joy. If Jesus were not God, then this would not be possible. But he is and we are complete in him. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm grieved by the fact that the church is looking for something more. Something more. You know, we, we come to church and we don't have, we don't have the excitement, the, 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 the buildup, you know, and like as if we're coming to a, to a concert, you know, and, and we're, it's just like just being built up and, and catchy sayings. You know, I, I can't do that anyway, so I'm not going to act like I can. Every once in a while, maybe it'll come out, but most of the time it comes out backwards. And so just forgive me, just laugh at that and move on. There's, there's nothing like that. Why? Because I have come to understand that in Christ... We have everything we need. The word of God. Oh, just give it to me. Without without any kind of twist. Yeah, I I don't need... I I can read through God's word and help you understand it. That's my intent. That's all my intent. That's my desire is to just help you understand it. That's it. The word of God. I I don't want to hype you up. 
I want the word of God to do the work. I want his spirit to move in you and give you understanding of what we have before us. Nothing more, nothing less. Just him and him alone. The word spoken, Jesus known. That's it. Is that enough? I hope that we come to understand that he is enough. In Christ, we are complete. Paul also addressed another false teaching in verse 9, referring to Jesus as the head of all rule and authority. The false teachers were elevating other spirits, uh, spirits or spiritual beings. Ephesians 1.21 says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then Paul addresses the issue of circumcision. So any question in regards to who is above all? Right? The Apostle Paul back in Ephesians, as he does here in Colossians, is, is addressing that issue. And he's saying, hey, listen, there is no other name above Jesus Christ. No one else. So he addresses that, and then he continues to move on. Oh, the issue of circumcision. The false teachers, especially those of the Jewish tradition, were emphasizing and insisting that it was necessary to be physically circumcised in order to be right with the Lord. Well, it's interesting because even in the Old Testament, it is very clear that there's a distinction between the circumcision of the flesh and the circumcision of the heart. You see, the circumcision of the flesh is of no value if there's no circumcision of the heart in Christ Jesus. No value whatsoever. In fact, it doesn't have any value. It, it's, it's something that for us as New Testament believers, we need to understand it's Jesus Christ and nothing else. He brings us a circumcision that is, not, that is without hands. It, it, it's not done physically. It, it's understood and known in Jesus Christ. It's putting off the power of the flesh. What is of great importance is knowing baptism in Christ. This is the circumcision of the flesh. That is the death, burial, and resurrection to new life in Christ. And we reckon the old man dead, dead to sin. You know, when we're baptized, and I don't know how many of you have been baptized, but I would strongly encourage you, if, if you know salvation in Jesus Christ, if you come to uh, declare Him as Lord and Savior, then I would say out of obedience, you need to get baptized. Because what you do is you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to new life. That's what you're proclaiming to the world. I identify with Him, His death, burial, and resurrection. And so you do so with obedience to him. It doesn't save you, but it does declare to the world that I am his. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Romans chapter 6, verse 11, the apostle Paul writes, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, we have been raised to new life in Christ through faith. And the powerful working of God is what we read here, who raised him from the dead. We've been raised to new life in Christ. The life we live now, 
is by the power of God, by His grace, in Christ, to Him, and for Him. And Paul continues with this idea, but what is emphasized is the understanding that we have been made alive in Christ. And so this is a letter to the church and just refuting these things, these, these false teachings that perhaps were creeping in and were among the church. He says, hey, listen, I know that you're holding your ranks, but you got to know these things. Make sure that you're not given to these false doctrines, these false teachings. Make sure that you go back to the foundation of your faith, the basics of your Christian faith. Being deeply rooted in Christ and being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So remember what you've been taught. Secondly, don't let yourself be cheated. And thirdly, know that you are made alive in Christ. Verse 13, as we continue, says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. Saying this is true. Know this. Know these things. You were once dead before Christ. I know sometimes you say, well, you know, the world is sick. Yes, there's... They're sick. No, they're, they're sick, but they're dead in their trespasses. You were once dead. We were once dead. Outside of Christ, we are dead. We are dead men. We were once guilty and stood condemned before Christ. We were once open to the effective ruling of God's enemies before Christ. Now, I said this a couple weeks ago, how it is that we... We are either under the lordship of Jesus Christ or under the lordship of Satan. There's no, there's no in between. We're under the authority of one or the other. There, there, isn't, there is no fence. If, if you believe there's a fence, then you're under the deception of the enemy. Okay, there isn't, there is no, there's, a, there's a line. And you're either on one side or the other. Friendship with the world is enmity with God is what the Bible tells us. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me, right? He doesn't say, well, there's, there's a place in between. You can kind of, you know, you're okay there. He doesn't say that. You know, you know that's what I love about the Bible, how it is that the, there's, there's no gray area. Have you guys found a gray area somewhere in between that perhaps you could stand and be okay? He doesn't give you that option. I thank, you that, uh, I thank the Lord for, for the truth of his word. When Jesus says, I, I, no other, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Those are the most loving words that you can speak. The world says, how dare you say that? You're narrow-minded how is it that you can say that no other religion will do that? Because no other religion can say beyond a shadow of a doubt with all security that it is true that you can find salvation somewhere else. Yeah, do your own research. You have to attain 
nirvana. You have to attain certain things. You have to work for it. Work for it. This is the only way that we have come to know, because it's truth, salvation by God's grace. You don't have to do a thing. Like, oh, nothing? No, nothing. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do anything to save yourself. Nothing at all. It's been finished. It's been done on the cross. That's why the cross is so powerful. Oh, let us go on because there's more. Now, number one, we have been made alive in Christ. Number two, we have been forgiven and our debt is paid in full by Jesus Christ on the cross on Calvary. To tell us, die, paid in full, it is finished. It's done. Number three, we are more than conquerors through him who's loved us. Romans 8, 37. But that's, we see that in these verses. In Christ, we have been forgiven by grace. Our crimes and moral debt before a holy and righteous God has been wiped clean. It has been set aside is what we just read here. Completely taken care of. It no longer exists. It, it can't be found. Our accusations, done. But, They've been paid. They're done. Every single accusation against us was nailed to the cross and dealt with when Jesus gave his life for us and in our place. Completely. Isn't that, that is great news. And the Apostle Paul wanted his brethren in Colossae to know these things. The Lord wants us to be reminded of these things. There's power in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Remember that he paid for your debt completely on the cross. Remember that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, we stand in confidence before a holy and righteous God covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, we are washed clean. That's what we have. Amazing. And with this, Jesus has disarmed the rulers and authorities of the spiritual realm. Yes, he has disarmed them. Single-handedly. Done what no one else could do. And he's done this for at least all those who have believed in him. Everything else, everyone else still, uh, stands and remains condemned outside of Christ. Jesus' victory over them put them to open shame. That is, the enemies of Christ. Had they known this? Had they known the power of the cross? They would have never sent Jesus Christ to the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. says, None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have. Oh, they, they thought they had him defeated. He was whipped, he was scourged, he was hung on the cross. Oh, he, he gave up the ghost. He's, he's done, he's dead. Oh, no, he's not. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Oh, he's alive. And he has paid our debt in full. And today we have the hope of resurrection in Christ ourselves and ascending to where he is because he did. Had they known this, they would have never sent him to the cross. What can the rulers and authorities of darkness do? That's a great question for us today. If the Lord's disarmed them, well, what does that mean? Right? Well, the sting of death and sin, it's no longer there. It doesn't have power over us, but this is what they can do. They can deceive. 
They can confuse. They can cause worry. They can cause discontentment. They can influence jealousy. They can cause bitterness and lead you to trust in the flesh, the world, and they can strike fear in the heart of the Christian if you open yourself up to that. If you don't know what the Word of God says, if we are not walking in the Spirit, this is only true if you neglect to know the truth or reject the truth and only if you fail to remain steadfast in it. Because even though we once knew it, this, the, the moment we, we separate ourselves from the Lord, only we can do that. The Lord says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is there. But it's us that turn our back on him. And the moment we turn our back on him, we are subject to all of these things and much more. Much, much more. This is why we need to be rooted and built up in Christ. We, we need to remain, abide in Christ. Remain steadfast. Don't depart. Don't be fooled. If, if you're being fooled, if you're being deceived, it's because you've given yourself to, to some other spirit. You've given yourself to the teaching of the world. You've been duped by the world into thinking that you can do that. You can, that you can do it all by yourself. Have you ever heard a Christian say, you know what, I don't need the church to practice my faith? Well, if he knew what it says in Hebrews, right, and throughout Scripture, I mean, I know we refer to Hebrews ten twenty four and 25, you know, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some, but doing so even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. But you can see it throughout Scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 through 28, right, Mario? How important is fellowship? Are you, how old are you, Mario? 17. Oh, 17. 17, and he's bringing the word with confidence at a men's prayer breakfast. Yeah. I love that. That's a blessing. That should be an encouragement to everyone else. Oh, how important it is for fellowship. If you ever hear a Christian saying, I can do it by myself at my home, and, and that's it, it, just tell them that's, that's, you're believing something else, and it's, it doesn't come from Scripture. It really doesn't. I'm telling you, I'm in desperate need of you. You know that? I'm in desperate need of you. I need you, Troy. I need you, Tom. I need you, Robert. I need you guys. Because without you, I'd be left to myself. And I need to be reminded of these things. I need to be reminded of of the love of Christ through others. Oh, how I'm encouraged with you. And I pray that you are encouraged by others. This is why we need to be rooted and built up in Christ. So three things. Remember what you've been taught. Number two, don't let yourself be cheated. And number three, know that you were made alive in Christ. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, and then we'll close. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
If you are rooted and built up in Christ, then you will hold your ranks against the attacks of the enemy and stand firm in your faith in Christ. And with this, you will be free from being fooled by false teachings and the attempts of the world to sway you from thinking differently from what you've been taught regarding Jesus Christ. The evidence will be contentment and gratitude in Christ. And so we summarize it. And so I desire that to be reflected in us. And God wishes that it would be so. That we would be filled with his spirit. That we would come to understand his word and apply it to our lives to his glory. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we can come and fellowship and have communion with you. That we, be, we can be encouraged and reminded of the things that are important to you. Lord, that we would be uh, all redirected. That our attitude would, would, instead of pointing down, be corrected to point toward you, fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, help us to not be swayed, to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Help us to hold fast to what's true, according to your word. Be not the things of the world or the traditions of men, but just you. And I pray, Lord, if anyone's here who has either been in compromise or or does not know you, that today would be the day of repentance, uh, a day of crying out to you, of asking for your forgiveness and asking uh, maybe for, for some that once again you would be Lord and Savior. Others initially for the very first time, Lord, maybe this is, this is the day that you have uh, chosen for them to come to this very place and know salvation in Jesus Christ. A complete surrender, Lord, to you. Lord, if we would just come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who went to the cross on our behalf, died, was buried on the third day, resurrected from the grave, and has ascended and today sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. May we all come to believe that and understand and walk in that faith that each and every person here would know salvation. Lord, May we all cry out to you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray.